Hello everyone, exciting news. This episode of Everything Under the Sun is supported by Toucan Box. Toucan Boxes are brilliant boxes you get in the post each month full of fun crafts you can make at home. In each box there are two crafts to make and the crafts are different each month. They make brilliant presents, especially for Christmas. So do look at their website, toucanbox.com, and try one out. You can have a whopping 50% discount on your first box if you use the code SUN. That's S-U-N, SUN, for everything under the sun. I was lucky enough to have a toucan box drop through my letterbox the other day. We had tons of fun, my son and I, making a dream catcher with lots of feathers and colourful beans and a mini greenhouse where he is now growing chives, basil and parsley. In our second toucan box, we found a gingerbread house to make. It even has a little light that goes on and off inside. The genius of toucan box is you can make fun things with your children, or if they're old enough, they can make it themselves, but you don't need to go shopping or prepare. Everything you need is in the box, ready to go. Toucan Boxes have won lots of awards, including the Made for Mum Award and the Academics Choice Brain Toy Award, and they ship millions of boxes to happy children throughout Europe. I really recommend them as a present for any small people in your life. So if you're looking for a present, check out toucanbox.com and try out a box for half price using the code SUN. Have lots of fun making all the things inside your toucan boxes. Now, toucans are colourful birds that live in the rainforests of South America where there are over 40 species of the bird. Toucans are so great they even have a constellation of stars named after them called the Toucana. They can also use their beaks as radiators to warm themselves up. They can change temperature by 10 degrees centigrade in just a few minutes. I wish I had a toucan sitting next to me now to keep me warm. Go and get your toucan box now at toucanbox.com and use the code for everything under the sun listeners, which is SUN, S-U-N, SUN. That's your 50% off code. Enjoy! Welcome to the second episode of the second series of Everything Under the Sun, a weekly podcast answering all the most pressing questions children around the world have about life on Earth. Last week we talked about space, we chatted to Richard Branson about rockets and why they fly to space, and we discovered how many satellites there are in space, as well as whether a helium balloon would fly to space if you let go of it outside. This week we're back down to Earth. We're talking about clay with the wonderful artist Grayson Perry, as well as fire and chimney sweeps. Our first question is about clay, and it comes from Evangeline. Over to Evangeline. Hi, my name is Evangeline. Uh, I live in America, and, and I love having play dates with my friend. And my question is, why... Why do clay and other types get hard? Hi, Evangeline. Thanks for sending me your lovely question all the way from America. To answer it for you, here is Grayson Perry. He's an artist and he knows a lot about clay because he uses clay in his art to make amazing pots. Make sure you have a look on Google at all the different pots Grayson Perry has made. He 
knows so much about clay, I thought he'd be the perfect person to answer your question. Over to Grayson. Hi, Evangeline. Uh, that's a great question. Why does clay go hard? How does it go hard? Uh, I'm Grayson Perry. I'm an artist. I make pots and I use clay a lot. And the squidgy stuff that you make your models or your pots out of, that's clay. That's kind of a naturally occurring material that is like the kind of rocks and earth ground up into a very fine substance that we can make into things. You can find it lying around in fields. Many thousands of years ago, people found that once that material, you know, you'd made your little model or your pot, once that material has dried, it went hard because all the water had evaporated out of it. But it was very fragile. But what somebody found out, probably by accident in a campfire, was that if that material was heated up to a very high temperature, it turned into ceramic. And ceramic is what makes bricks that build houses, plates, cups, vases, bowls, all the things, tiles in your bathroom, all those things are made of ceramic. And ceramic is just clay that has been heated to a very high temperature. And the temperature, the magic moment, if you like, when clay turns into ceramic is around 573 degrees centigrade. This is called the quartz inversion point, And the temperature will change the crystal structure, the chemical structure of the clay into ceramic, which is much harder and rigid. And this is a very durable material. Clay is one of the most durable materials. It lasts forever. If it's not smashed into little bits, it will last pretty much forever. So you can't go back. You can't turn ceramic back into clay again. It also becomes waterproof. If you put clay, you know, when it's dried back into a bowl of water, it will dissolve back into clay, but not ceramic. Ceramic is forever. So that's a good question. And that's what happens. It's basically heat, Evangeline, that turns clay into ceramic. Very hot heat, much hotter than your oven at home. It's 573 degrees, but we fire our pots to maybe 1100, 1200 degrees centigrade, which is extremely hot indeed. So that's a good question. Thanks for it very much. And I hope it's useful to you. So bye. Thanks so much, Grayson, for your excellent answer about clay and why it gets hard. I hope that answers your question, Evangeline. If you make a clay pot or anything out of clay soon, do send me a picture to molly at everythingunderthesun.co.uk because I would love to see it. Now, last week we had a competition to win a Tony's box. To win one, I asked you all to send in your impressions of a rocket flying to space to go along with Richard Branson's answer last week. And the winner is... Tabitha! Congratulations, Tabitha! So here is your impression. Hi, Molly. My name's Tabitha, and this is my impression of a rocket. Five... Four, three, two, one, blast off! Congratulations, you're the lucky winner of a Tony's box. So ask an adult to ping me your address and I will pop a Tony's box in the post to you, ready for you to enjoy over Christmas. I hope you love it. Right, on with the show. 
So, as Grayson told us, to make clay go hard, you have to fire it at a really, really high temperature. So I thought we'd have a question about fire. It comes from Roman Harrison. Over to Roman. My name is Roman. I am five years old. I live in London. I like Lego, rugby and horse riding. My question is, how is fire made? Thanks, Roman, for your excellent question. Well, fire is created when you add heat and oxygen to fuel. Fuel is stuff that has lots of energy stored inside it, like wood or coal. For example, the energy in firewood comes from the sun, which shone down on the tree while it was alive and got stored inside the tree as it grew. When you heat fuel, it gives off an invisible vapour that mixes with oxygen in the air to make a bloom of gas. This creates more heat and produces even more vapour to create a fire. If you keep adding oxygen and fuel to a fire, you'll keep it burning as the cycle of heat, vapour and fire goes on and on only stopping when it runs out of heat, oxygen or fuel. When you light a fire in your house, if you have a fireplace, you probably use wood to make the fire. When you burn that wood, the energy to make your fire is coming from sunshine that shone down on the earth many, many years ago, probably before you were born. I know I said that earlier in the answer, but just think about it. That sunshine has been stored inside the wood. So, if you sit watching a fire, it is a bit like seeing time travelling. As far as we know, Earth is the only planet where fire can burn. There may not be enough oxygen anywhere else in the known universe. The first fires were lit around 400,000 years ago. Of course, the sun started fires naturally before then, without any human help. And it still does today, which can be really dangerous with big forest fires. But probably what happened is, long ago our ancient ancestors saw natural fires burning and wondered how they could create it themselves without waiting for nature to make it, so they could use it themselves for light and warmth whenever they needed it. So ancient humans discovered if they rubbed sticks together in the right way, they could create fire. Or another way they did it was making sunlight shine a lot in one small place. The Olympic torch is still lit like this. A mirror is used to send lots of sunshine onto one spot and light a fire, just the way the ancient Greeks did it. Be careful if you try to light a fire by yourself. I personally have tried rubbing sticks together to make fire, but it's never worked for me. I can't have been doing it right. But it might work for you, so make sure you let a grown-up help if you want to try. Did you know pistachio nuts have so much oil in them that they can burst into flame by themselves? So can haystacks, compost heaps and piles of old newspaper if they're left out in the hot sun. Oh, and laptops have been known to burst into flames if they get really hot. So watch out, don't leave one plugged in for too long or with lots of stuff on top of it. I hope that answers your question, Roman. Our next question is about children in the past who had to clear up the mess left by fires inside chimneys. It's about chimney sweeps and it comes from Clara. Hi, Clara. Hi, Molly. My name's Clara. I'm six years old. I like curiosity, wildlife and adventures. My question is, in the past, why did chimney sweeps always have to be boys? Hi, Clara. Thanks for such a good question. Well, after the Great Fire of London in 1666 burnt down a lot of London, new rules were brought in to make chimneys safer. 
including that they had to be small and narrow. This meant that adults couldn't climb up chimneys to clean them anymore, so people began to employ boys as young as four years old as chimney sweeps, getting them to climb up the thin, narrow chimneys and clean away soot. This was very dangerous work. It wasn't only boys that were chimney sweeps. Sometimes girls were too, but because it was such a hard and dangerous job, usually it was boys who were taken on by a master sweep, as they thought boys would be more able to do the job than girls. It wasn't until 1875 that using children to clean chimneys was stopped, and boys and girls couldn't be sent up chimneys anymore. Until then, the children who did this terrible chimney sweep job worked for a master sweep. He was paid to teach poor children or orphan children how to do the job, and they had to work for him until they were adults. In return, the master sweep had to teach them the craft of chimney sweeping, give them two sets of clothes, and make sure they had a bath every week. Only one a week. What? He let them go to church, and he wasn't allowed to send children up chimneys that were on fire. Thank goodness for that. The children were usually about six when they started work, or even as young as four. They would start out each morning calling, Oh, sweep! in the streets so anyone who needed their chimney sweeping could hire them to work. Any chimney that needed cleaning, the children would climb up, like a caterpillar, holding a brush above their heads, and soot would fall all over them down to the floor. They also carried a scraper to scrape up any stuck soot. When they got to the top of the chimney, they would then slide all the way down to the floor and clean up all the soot on the floor and take it to the master sweep's cart because he could sell it. Usually, these poor children did about four or five chimneys a day. If it was a really narrow chimney, sometimes boys buffed it, which means they climbed up naked. They'd often scrape their knees and elbows. Mostly, though, they wore trousers and a shirt. All the chimney sweeps would sleep together on the floor under sacks that in the day they used to catch soot. This was called the sleeping black, and it was very bad for their health. In London, the boys who worked as chimney sweeps only had one holiday a year, May the 1st. It wasn't until 1875 that it became illegal to do this. Isn't it amazing to think that in the past, people sent children up chimneys to clean up soot? Of course, we still have chimney sweeps today, but they use machines, and no one has to climb up a chimney, least of all a little boy or even occasionally a girl. Thank goodness that has come to an end. Nowadays in Britain, around 4% of chimney sweeps are women. So even though chimney sweeps now use brushes, it's still mostly men that do the job. I hope that answers your question, Clara, and thanks for sending it in. Right, that's it for this week. Wishing you all a very lovely week. A huge thank you to the wonderful Grayson Perry for talking to us all about how clay gets hard. And thank you to Clara, Roman and Evangeline for this week's brilliant questions. A big thank you to Ash Gardner at House of Strange for the theme song and audio networks for all the lovely incidental music we use this week. I'll be back next week answering more questions from children around the world about everything under the sun. 
If you have a question you would like answered, all you have to do is ask an adult to borrow their smartphone, then say your name, your age, and a bit about yourself and ask me your question and send it in to me at molly at everythingunderthesun.co.uk. Can't wait to hear your new questions. Also, if you like the show, please do rate it. That means give it five stars and leave a really nice review and share this episode with all of your friends and tell them to listen. I really appreciate it. Wishing you all a very, very lovely week and I hope you'll all make something wonderful out of clay or paper, using paints or any kind of art that you like. Do send me a picture if you make something you love this week. Thank you so much and goodbye. I'm James Stewart, and in Saving Planet Earth, I'm going to be joined by some of the world's top scientists to introduce you to some of the weird and wonderful ideas being trialled to try and save our planet. Led, of course, by your questions. Hi, James. I know that climate change is affecting our oceans. Is there anything that's being done to look after it? And one of the solutions involves dolphin poo. (laughs) This is Saving Planet Earth, available wherever you get your podcasts.